0: You're listening to Speak Your Style, a lifestyle and business podcast hosted by Sasha Bowlby and Liz Toombs. Hello, hello. We are excited today to be talking about starting a business from scratch. And we have a special guest with us. Joining us is Allison Horseman from The Lavender Farm at Woodstock. Hey, Allison. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. How are you? Pretty good. Good, good. Well, um you know, like I said, we just want to talk about starting a business from scratch. And Sasha and I thought your story is a great one. Um, So dive right in. Tell us, you know, how you got started in business and what led you to start a lavender farm.
1: So that's kind of an interesting story. Um, We, my family and I actually ended up sort of near where I grew up, the next county over. And we, Never actually thought we would end up living back on the farm. I'm actually the fourth generation to live on that farm. Um, but once we got there, and we decided that that's where we really were going to be settled and where we were going to raise our family, I sort of had this desire to do something with the land. I don't know you. I know Liz, you've been on our website and mm-hmm. and have heard the story many times. But I've been to the farm too. Yes, yes. <laughs> we we like to tell the story about how my grandfather sort of pieced together the land that I live on now. Um, he bought 100 acres back in the late 20s, early 30s and almost lost it when the Great Depression hit. He actually had to take a train to Detroit and he and his first wife, who later passed away, um, worked for two years and sent back money every month to make the payments on the farm that we now live on. So, you know, I am a very sentimental person. Um, my mom, who also works with me, her name's Mary, She is also a very um, sentimental person, so when we decided that the the farm is where we were going to be, I could not imagine living way out there in what some people would call the middle of nowhere, (laughs) isn't it, Liz? It's kind of out there. A little bit, a little bit. But I couldn't imagine being out there and living in a place where my ancestors had lived and not doing something with the land that had meant so much to them, um, I do have an agricultural background. I was raised on a farm, a traditional farm, row crops, beef cattle, um, grew up showing cattle but even though even though I grew up there, I didn't really have my hands in agriculture at all times. Um, I was often playing tennis or you know off doing other things, and didn't really realize the value and the importance of the land and working that land. But anyway, fast forward, so when we got to our farm that we live on now in just outside of Somerset, um, that desire became very strong for me to do something to connect myself to my ancestors through the land. So uh, my dad likes to tell the story that I came up with some crazy ideas i was <laughs> I was going to like milk sheep for one you know at one time, I was going to do all these weird things, and um, none of them were very practical so The idea for lavender though actually came about my mom, who like I said is as sentimental as I am and loved the idea of doing something with the land. Came up with this idea to grow lavender and um, we we knew nothing about it. Um, We just sort of did a little bit of research. Granted, now we realize we should have probably done a little bit more, but um, at the time we just decided to take a leap of faith and do it. We bought 50 lavender plants and that was in 2013. Um, and then we grew our business from there.
0: So I think it should be said when you talk about your grandparents, it's your mom's parents, right? Correct. So then yes. that's part of the draw for her too.
1: Yes, very much so. It was, and and where we live now, and where the farm is located, is the the house and the land where she grew up, where she spent her childhood. Mm-hmm. So definitely holds a lot of connection for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course the the grandfather that I'm talking about that went to Detroit for two years. Um, I was his sweet thing. He was, uh, yeah, I was, a, I was a granddaddy or petfalls girl, I guess you could say, uh, which most of the grandkids were, but I still like to think I was the favorite, but <laughs> <laughs> so it means a lot to me to be there uh, where he was and, and be able to share that experience with my family now. Yeah. I think that's cool. Should we start calling you sweet thing? <laughs> your, your new <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Now, sure. What thing. exactly made you choose lavender? Well, um, honestly, like I said, we were looking for something to do that was agricultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that I was not going to be on a combine, like, you know, running yeah. corn and soybeans at 11 o'clock at night. Um, didn't have any desire to do that. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have the infrastructure to do anything with cattle. Didn't really have the desire to do anything with vegetables. Um, also, you know, my we moved to Somerset so that my husband could start a business, um, and he didn't have a lot of time. I was working off the farm in marketing and public relations at the time for the local community college, even though that was part time. Uh, and at the time, I had a baby on the way and a three-year-old, so it had to be something that I could, that my mom and I could manage ourselves mm-hmm. as women. Um, in a little bit, you know, I have, I have eight acres and that includes a horse barn and house. And then my dad traditionally farms the remaining uh, almost 300 around there. um, and then also farms at his house in Lincoln, his farm in Lincoln County. But, so it had to be something that we could do. Um, it also had to be something low cost to get started because I didn't have any funds really to, to start something. Um so it had to be something we could start small and then sort of scale. So jumping back, you mentioned that your husband
0: was starting a business, that's why you moved down there. So now we've got two startup businesses going at the same time. So you're not even coming at this from just tackling one business. Like what was that like, you know, both of you working on growing baby businesses?
1: Well, I think at the time the lavender for me was not a, I didn't know it was going to be a business. Um, I didn't know what it would turn into. Mom didn't know what it would turn into. We just kind of thought it would be fun. We had no idea what we would do with the plant after if it actually even lived. (laughs) Um, We we definitely did not see ourselves where we are now, which is um, we host events on the farm during the season and we make about 20 some different bath and body products and culinary products. And we're in about 42 different stores throughout the United States. So never was that in our plan whatsoever. We honestly thought we'd probably cut it, hang it up, give it to some friends, and that would probably be it. Um, and then, of course, you know, my husband's business, that obviously takes, takes a lot of time. He, he purchased an existing business, but it still was a learning curve for all of us just to kind of get used to that. And, and seeing how that would evolve, I guess you could say. And, and that's one of the reasons that we ended up on the farm was because at the time, in 2013, I think. No, sorry. 2011 was when we moved there. 2013 is when we planted our first plants. Uh, but in 2011, we the house that we have now bought and the farm is on was sitting empty because my gra- my grandmother was in a, n- a nursing facility. And we really didn't know if we'd have enough money to eat the next day. You know, that's how it is sort of when you start a business. So that's why we ended up there. And then, and then, like I said, we evolved and sort of fell in love with being back home.
0: I think that's so cool. And I think it's neat that, you know, it's been six years since you planted your first lavender plant. And then, like you said, you're in all of these shops across the U.S. And you have these multiple products. And then you're constantly examining what you have to sell, what you're doing with it, and you know how it's how it's producing. So I think the statistic is it takes five years in business to really like see consistent growth and to you know know that you're going to hold on and make it. And so you're past that benchmark.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think we're we are we we kind of hit a turning point a couple of years ago. We planted our first plants in 2013, but it wasn't until 2015 that we hosted our first events. And began making products. We got licensed to make products. So, And even then, we still, I think, thought small. We didn't really think of ourselves as business people or entrepreneurs. We definitely weren't making any money. Um, You know, so I think that in the last, once we started that, we began to look at, okay, what's our business plan? Where do we want to take this from here? Um, What could this actually become? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that we still have some growth and some different things to do in terms of Um, of being a profitable business, but I think that we are definitely miles ahead of where we were when we first started this endeavor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes total sense. So you all weren't farmers by trade. So do you want to tell us what you and your mom did beforehand and what, what that was like, you know, starting a business, I think really intimidates people rightfully so, but also there's so much benefit to come from it. So I guess tell us a little bit about like what kind of working background you both had and what some of the differences were for working for someone else and starting this from scratch.
1: Um, Yeah, my mom had a a wonderful career in early childhood education. She had just retired right about the time that we started thinking about this. Um, And she has said, I don't think she'd mind for me to say this, but she has said that This has been a big blessing for her because, you know, transitioning from working in a full-time setting for all of her career and then to going to not really, you know, having that much to do, I guess, is, is hard. For so, the record she 's a very social person, so being
0: around children and other teachers all day and then not like yeah. probably would have made her nuts so yeah, <laughs>
1: probably so you know, and she said she said she told me once that she was beginning to feel a little useless, and that you know Ugh. this whole farm sort of um, gave her something to do now, I personally think it 's more than that. I think that part of the beauty of this is that we get to share the story mm-hmm. of her parents and uh, with people who come to the farm, with people on the website, all that sort of stuff. So you know, anytime you can honor people that you love, yeah. Yeah. that's always a, a neat thing, you know. So and then my background, um, I started out in print journalism, but then quickly moved over into public relations and marketing, and spent my career, um, in hospital and higher education, public relations and marketing. Um, so that that definitely I think helped play into the the confidence, I guess, to start a business. I was, I was very comfortable with social media. I was very comfortable with putting our story out there. Um, so that, that helped in terms of the business. And again, we didn't, we didn't have high expectations. You know, I know when people now come to us and and say, what should we do? You know, I say, start with a business plan. That's not what we did. Not at all. <laughs> um, so we kind of have had to learn from that. And we've done things a little bit backwards from the way that you are encouraged to do them. Um, but it sort of it sort of worked for what we were doing, which, like I said, started out as a little bit of a hobby and then has evolved into a business. Um, so...
0: Okay, so you brought up a good point. You technically feel like you started backwards because you didn't start with a business plan. And I know my answer and I'll tell it in a minute, but what about you, Sasha? When you went into this venture and I know you started online, like how did you do things? Did you just jump in or did you have like
2: this thought out on paper plan? I wish I could say that I had a thought out plan, but unfortunately, <laughs> like I'm sure a lot of people, I did not, you know, I, uh-huh. I did start out online and really didn't know what I was getting into um but slowly you learn and then once I kind of got into it kind of like what you were saying I feel like I I backtracked a little bit like okay yeah. like this is really gonna you know at that time I was working in a dental office so you know I had a, a full-time job um so once I started the website and started doing the gift shows and things like that and I'm like okay I think I can actually make something out of this then I was like oh gosh like I need to probably like actually make a plan yeah and stick to it versus just winging it now there's still things you know even to this day three years in that I'm I'm winging I don't have a plan but well um, I mean get in line sister because I think (laughs) we all are oh my gosh so I'll round
0: out the trio with the same thing like I didn't sit down with the business plan um you know my company started in the midst of a recession out of necessity because the people that I was working for closed up shop so it was like a I knew that I had the skills to do the work, but I had never tried to run a business before. And so, you know, it was just a, let's give it a go and see what happens. And, um, sometimes I guess my point is maybe there's something to be said for that. Like you can think it out and like put it on paper all you want, but sometimes you just have to jump in. Like we all kind of
2: dipped our toe in there to, to see, and then took it, you know, or let it take us where it would. Well, and for me too, like I had my degree in apparel design and merchandising Mm -hmm. and I took some business classes because I needed to take them in order to graduate. But, I mean, I never really had that business background side of it. So, yeah.
0: You don't, don't always it. know
2: in college that you're going to start a business. Oh, like, you want to
0: learn a skill, and yeah. you don't know. And, I mean, I shouldn't be embarrassed. But, I mean, I failed accounting once in college. And so, like, Lord help me. If I didn't know what I was doing now, like, I wouldn't be able to yeah. pay people or charge people <laughs> or, you know, know what's going on. So, um, I don't know. I guess maybe trial by fire is what what worked yeah. for me there. But,
1: I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we, I was just talking to somebody recently about this, but um, they asked me what I wish I had known. And, and, you know, our our business is a little bit different because it's so dependent on plants, which are so mm-hmm. dependent on mother nature. Mm-hmm. And we chose a plant that hates Kentucky weather. I mean, <laughs> lavender hates to be wet. It hates to have, um, it hates humid weather. It hates um, ice all of those things we get on a regular basis. And so, you know, we're a lot of times faced with like, um, different planting methods or things that are completely out of your control. And so a lot of times I'll say, Oh, I wish if I had known something differently, I wish I had known that. But then I think if I had known that, would I have ever jumped in? And I don't know Mm -hmm. that I would have. So, you know, I think that you do have to have a balance. Like you were saying, you have to sort of just take a leap of faith and Mm -hmm. see where it goes our first 50 plants very well could have died Mm -hmm. and we may have moved on to something else or we may not have and we also we also think that this business may have a shelf life just because if we don't have plants from year to year then do we have a business um and that's another reason that we have multiple facets of our business where we have the line for bath and body and culinary because that can continue whether we have plants in the field or not
0: well, and you touched on your products before, but I know that you do a lot of events at the farm as well. So do you want to tell everyone about that
1: and how those came about? We do, yeah. We, the growing season for lavender is very short just because of the way that we manufacture our items. Um, we try to use as much of our locally grown buds mm-hmm. as possible. Um, we don't distill a lot of oil. We Actually, I just started um, distilling, and we just don't have the volume to do a lot of oil Um, So that is something that we do have to purchase for use in our products. But anytime we can use buds, we we like them to be directly from our farm. But that also means that we have a very short growing window. So we have about six weeks from bloom time to cut time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it is a flurry of activity. And unfortunately, if you don't get there during those six weeks, then you don't get there. There's nothing to see and we're not open. So that's been, you know, that's been interesting to balance because there's so many sides to the business you've got the physical labor side with the plants then you've got the events and agritourism side for that very short amount of time then you've got the the manufacturing of the products the selling of the products the marketing of the products you know all that sort of stuff that goes along with being a small business owner um but yeah we are open we have teas on the farm and that's sort of how it started Uh, mom and i balance each other really well a lot of times i'm the dreamer um, and I'll come up with some crazy ideas and things that I want to try and she will reel me back in, but usually she reels me back in with a very loose, um, leash, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if you'd say that, but, but you know, she, she's very encouraging for ideas. So in 2015, I came up with the idea. I said, you know, maybe people want to see this. We only had 150 plants at the time, but I thought it's different. It's unique. Let's work with a local tea room. Let's have people come. We can set up tables in between the row of lavender. They can eat. Of course, it was supposed to rain, so that didn't work out very well. But it actually it, it laid the, the framework for what we do now. Um, but she said, okay, I'm willing to try it. She said, but if we don't get 12 people, we have to cancel. And so I thought, well, good grief! Surely I can get twelve people to come out and eat. Your you friends, know, right? Eat, you're right. You know, surely I can get twelve people. Well, about a month after we put the tickets on sale, and about a, a month or six weeks before the event, they we had sold out. Oh wow! So at that point, we knew we were onto something, um, and that people wanted that experience. They mm-hmm. wanted to come see it, even though it's not like you see in France in the slightest. I mean, we have like maybe half an acre total in long rows of lavender. This is about 700 plants now. Um but you you're not going to see like you see in pictures where people are running through the fields and their hair is blowing <laughs> in the wind, you know. But it is still it's still neat. It's still different for Kentucky. There's only about six people that are members of the United States Lavender Growers Association in Kentucky. Um so it's it's just a unique experience. And then the chef that we use, um he makes everything has lavender in it in some form or fashion that's on the menu for the tea. And it's a it's a full meal. It's an exciting thing. So we, we've gradually grown. So now we have four teas on the farm over the course of two days. We have classes on growing lavender. Sometimes we'll offer like a photography class um, or a crafting class or something like that. And then with the past two years, this will be our third year coming up, we have a lavender festival. So we'll have food trucks and we have lavender ice cream and we have make your own bath salts and bath ones and jewelry and wreath and painting and you can come and cut your own lavender and all that sort of stuff so that's really cool yeah
0: do i see once you did yoga in the field yeah
1: we've done that the past two years we've done like a mini retreat like <laughs> a moonlight so when you get done it's supposed to be about the time the moon is up oh that's so fun and yeah that's it's cool. really neat
0: I'm gonna really have to like,
1: clear just, my calendar for yeah, like this yeah. window of time. You do. Know? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have asked for goats um, with the yoga, but of course, we don't want them to eat the, l- the lavender. So that, oh yeah, that, that, that probably could won't be happen. counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, that is true. Well, I mean, this isn't the first business that you started. Um, you started a photography and marketing business a while back. So, um, you know, what, what did you learn from starting that business to, that led you into here and like? You know, just anything that listeners could get some
1: benefit from. Um, Yeah, I, I think that, well, I started the photography business when I was here in Lexington. Um, and then moving kind of put that at a halt. Um, and, of course, kids, you know, because you're you're mostly photographing people at nights and weekends and mm-hmm. different things like that. So um, I still do that on occasion. I still photograph a couple of weddings and do a couple of family sessions each year, um, a couple of daycares. I'll do the, the photography for those that I still come up here to Lexington to do. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing for me was probably figuring out how to manage all the aspects of a business. Um, I, I think that it's, it's still difficult. It's still probably what I struggle with the most because like I said, I do have, I have two young kids now and one on the way at any time. Um, and so the times that I have to work are a lot of times in the evening and the weekends, and that takes away from family time. And so balancing all of that and still trying to make your business be relevant and profitable is just extremely difficult. Um, so I think asking for help has been a big, um, challenge, but also a big success. And then also, you know, networking and finding out what where you can do things differently, uh maybe getting ideas from other growers in terms of our situation. Lots of people are willing to help and share their knowledge and kind of talk about what's been helpful for them and so having that network of of people who do something similar has just been a huge blessing to us.
0: Yeah, I would I would think so.
1: Um
0: you mentioned that you guys, you and your mom are female farmers obviously how has that been received in the farming industry there's there's not a ton of women in the industry so like what is that like how is it received you know there's not a ton of lavender farms i'd love to know just sort of how it's been navigating the agriculture side of the
1: business um you know i think the biggest challenge for us has been thinking of ourselves mm-hmm. as farmers and thinking of ourselves as entrepreneurs um Like I said, you know, we kind of kept, we joke that this is a hobby that got out of control, but it's actually pretty true. But saying that sort of led us to maybe not think of ourselves as, I don't want to say highly as we should, but you know, we are, we are farming. We are doing something related to agriculture. Um, And even in our own county, it's amazing how many men especially say, well, what, what is lavender? What does it look like? Oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, what, it, what do you do with it? What is, you know, and and people don't know. Um now in the lavender world, most I, w- I don't say m- most, but I think probably a higher percentage of growers and makers and farmers are are female. Mm-hmm. And then of course our target market, the people that mm-hmm. come to the farm are female. Um so that part has been really nice. You know, and, and women I think are better at making connections and um, just sort of opening up and saying, Thank you for sharing your farm mm-hmm. or thank you for putting this much time and effort into your products and and thank you for you know, my my grandfather also did this and, mm-hmm. and just different things like that. But in the agricultural world, um, doing this has opened some doors for me that I didn't necessarily think of. Just um we have a we were able to to get a grant with the USDA, and that has been a huge help for us. Um, but it it was different for them too. I think you know mm-hmm. to see this application from a, a fairly young. I kind of think of myself as still kind of young. You're young, um, it's okay. <laughs> farmer, you know, female farmer uh, doing something completely different for South Central Kentucky. Um, and then and, in our county, I sit on a couple of ag boards now, and a lot of them have no idea exactly what it is that we do and it's hard it's been hard for me to swallow, even having a seat at that table, thinking, do I deserve to sit at this table when i'm not i've not been breeding Angus cattle for the last forty five years or i'm not i'm not farming twelve hundred acres of corn and soybeans you know i'm doing this little bitty thing. But I think that a lot of people have seen the value of diversification in agriculture um, and also the value of on-farm experiences. And we all know that women drive purchases. Um, So I think that that has been an eye-opener for a lot of people who do traditional farming, that there are other methods out there that they may want to explore. It's probably so inspirational for a lot of women.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, like, I sit in awe of you that you got a grant from the government to help run this farm oh, and too. to do this. I mean, a big one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, those things are daunting tasks. And so I just hope that anyone that's listening and considering a business, mm-hmm. you know, like, that they take away from you, that it doesn't have to be all perfect and lined up. Like, you can get these amazing um, grants and assistance and, you know, do these things. And, you know, you... Coming at it from you know transitioning because your family was transitioning your mom coming at it as a second career like I don't know I just think it's never too late or the wrong time yeah. to invent or reinvent yourself
1: yeah. yeah and I think you have to be you have to be okay with hearing the word no like when we first started um, Kentucky actually has this fantastic resource um, it's called K Card it's the Kentucky Center for Rural and Agri- Agricultural Development um, but I. I started doing some research because we, like I said, we didn't really have any money to to do anything with this. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this without dipping into our personal funds and Mm -hmm. and actually make it work, I've got to figure out what is out there that I can utilize. Um, And the first time I met with them, they said, good idea. But you're not ready. You know, you're not ready for anything. We can't really help you with that much. Um, I met with our our county extension, threw out some ideas with them. And they said, oh, yeah, those are great. Those are great. But you got to get started. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why we said, okay, get started. Let's just get started. Let's see <laughs> where it goes. And then as we evolved, um, then I went back to that organization and said, okay, we sold $1,000 worth of things. That was, you know, it was the total. So that is sort of like the cutoff to get started. That means you've actually got some skin in the game. Um, and then they directed me towards several possibilities for funding or for grants. Now granted, we had to we had to do it. Um, we had to fill out 150 pages of Ugh. why we deserved, yeah. <laughs> you know, <Hang> <laughs> some assistance and and all of this sort of stuff. And it's still very very targeted. We can only use it for certain things. And but it's been it's been a game changer. And we've got some really great people that work in AG in Kentucky, um, with USCA, with our local extension agency, with um, K Card, with lots of other organizations that have then what well, they, they want you to succeed mm-hmm. um there's some Berea college places that I actually just learned about yesterday um and they their whole goal is to help people who want to do this succeed so you got to kind of just reach out and see what's out there it may not all fit for what you're trying to do but i think that the resources you know are out there if you if you work hard enough to find them
0: yeah yeah that that makes sense. Well, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with people about any advice, sage wisdom on starting a business from
1: scratch? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, like we were saying before about having a business plan. You know, I do think that is important. But I think that just being willing to fall on your face is okay. You know, I, like I said, if this hadn't, if our, if our lavender had died, And again, this spring, we may wake up and have no lavender. You know, so I think that you have to be realistic, too, about the shelf life of of what you're trying to do and be flexible enough, not get yourself in such a tight business plan that you can't change as your life changes or circumstances change or Mm -hmm. ice knocks out all your lavender. You know, so you've got to just kind of be willing to roll with the flow, I think. I I love
2: how she said, too, about taking a leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's, you know. You have to take that leap of faith and you have to get your feet wet to really just see if it's going to work. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, we close out the podcast episode with two burning questions. Okay. So I will let Sasha start with hers.
2: Um, The first question will be for you to explain your style, your style choices. Do you have any
1: favorites of items you like to wear? Well, right uh, right now, so baby number three is doing like 20... Four days, seven hours, and 13 minutes or something like that. <laughs> who's counting? Uh, who's counting? So, um, Moo Moo's are my favorite. No, i <laughs> um, I would, I would just say comfortable. I would say my style is probably comfortable. Yeah. Whatever is, whatever I find that is comfortable is probably what I'm going to have on.
2: It's a good time of the year for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Good cozy
1: yeah. sweaters.
2: So then
0: along the same lines, I want to know what your personal home style is. How you would describe that one word or a phrase.
1: Okay, I don't even know if this is a style, but the first thing that comes to my mind is sentimental. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have lots of things that I found in the house when we moved in or um, have on display pictures and And that's definitely more than a word or a phrase, but I would say sentimental is probably country sentimental. Uh
0: I think that's completely fair. And as your decorator, I can (laughs) attest to you finding those things and how Uh you've used them in the house. Uh And so like, I remember when you moved down there, I was geeking over the house and that you're, you had the original plans, and it was from, like, the extension office or something uh-huh. that helped them yeah. draw it. And you were loving the land, and I was like, this is why we're friends. Because we were like, <laughs> we're looking at this from two different angles <laughs> two here. Two totally different angles, yep.
1: Oh, yep. my gosh.
0: Well, thank you for coming on and speaking your style with me and Sasha, and we wish you so much success with the Lavender Farm. Before we let you go, though, tell people how they can find you online and, and such.
1: Okay, so on Facebook, we are KY Lavender. On Instagram, ky lavender thirty nine because we are on Highway thirty nine and outside of Somerset, um, and then on the website, which we do have an online store, and then that's where you'll find out about tickets for the teas and all that. Which, by the way, they sell out. Uh, well. Last year, I think it was like six hours that mm-hmm. all four of them were sold out. So if you want to come to the tea, I would say Josh. I'm <laughs> on it. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> they go on sale February 1st, and that's at kylavender.com. And it's lavender, dot com.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Thank Allison. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me, Liz Toombs, on Facebook and Instagram, as well as my business, PDR Interiors, on both outlets as well.
2: And you can find myself, Sasha Bowlby, on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also find Sash and Bo, my boutique, also on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out the website anytime. Shop 24-7 at com. And we also want to note too, if you like what you're listening to, please feel free to give us a review um, on the podcast. If you don't want to write out anything, all you got to do is just hit the stars. It's super easy and we would love to hear your feedback. Thanks.